Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your Midwestern-based sports podcast that brings you all things sports to your beautiful ears. On episode 37 of the 8311 Cast, your hosts, Mike Ludwig, Kyle Mersch, and Wyatt Teeter, are going to be talking to you about the NBA, Cyclone Football, Soccer, Formula One, the Weekly Turtle Tab, which meshes nicely with our MLB segment, then our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions. Hey, Kyle, did you catch the very important change to that intro today? No. Enlighten uh, me. It's, it's that I finally gained my rightful place in the introduction ahead of you. That was, voice changes. That was the key point. No, it's always been Kyle and Mike and Wyatt. But to see now is Mike and then Kyle. So I finally gained if my you look rightful at the, place. If you look at the descriptions of the episodes, they're always in a different order, though. But, but you always say it in the same order. I actually almost forgot your name. It took me a hot second there. <laughs> I almost said Mike Mersh, and I was like, that is not right. That, that's not my that's name. That's not right you, at all. You, you, you lived with me it for how long? It sounds better than what it already is. <laughs> no. <laughs> I oh, think my name is just fine, Kyle. I don't think you need to go insulting it. It's all right. We've done 37 of these episodes so far, and the intro is still falling apart almost every time. So it's yeah, all good. You you only had you only had to re-record it once. So yeah, only one. That, that one time when you went on a went on a two-minute introduction about the wrong ep- with the wrong episode number. Oh yeah. And then refused to just roll with it. I couldn't. Yeah, that you would be so confusing. You no way. Yeah. Not like anybody listens and pays attention to the episode number of the intro anyway. That's but true. it doesn't matter, That's because true. we're done talking about the intro. We spent way too long on it. We usually spend 30 seconds. This has been like a minute. Okay, well, since we're all now confused about the intro and what order we uh, put names in, we can all now be confused about NBA Free Agency, because <laughs> I'm confused about NBA Free Agency, because it doesn't make sense. Things just sort of happen, and nobody knows why they happen, and there are rules, and nobody really knows what the rules are either. Like, when do you sign and tra- I don't know. I'm good at rules, and I don't know all the rules about NBA free agency. What I do know is what happened. Um, Kevin Durant went to Brooklyn. Uh, he declined his option to stay in Golden State and went to Brooklyn. Uh, Kyrie Irving followed him there, as well as DeAndre Jordan. Apparently, Durant and Irving took less money than they could have otherwise gotten to allow them to sign DeAndre Jordan. So, I mean, I always like uh, I always like it when... Uh, team or when players take less money to make the team better i always think that's a good thing so kudos to them for that i guess but of course kevin durant is sitting out this first year because you know he blew out his achilles in the nba finals and it's hard to play basketball without an achilles so uh the brooklyn nets will be somewhere to watch maybe not necessarily this year though they'll probably be a playoff team but not a championship contender necessarily until 2020 2021 um other big name, I guess probably the next biggest name to move was um, Kemba Walker headed up to Boston. So they replaced uh, Kyrie Irving by getting Kemba Walker. Um, Clay Thompson stayed in Golden State. Um, and then the other big move was uh, Jimmy Butler got a sign and trade from the Philadelphia 76ers to the Miami Heat. I'm not sure why they did a sign-and-trade there as opposed to just uh, why the Heat just didn't sign him because, you know, they actually had to trade somebody that 
sixes in a sign and trade, but he was an unrestricted free agent, so they could have just got him for free. Can either of you two enlighten me on why they had to do a sign and trade there as opposed to just signing him? I wonder if it has to do with the amount of cap space that the Heat had, and they potentially had to trade somebody off of their roster in order to clear up enough salary cap space. Yeah, but why don't you just cut him? I don't know. Maybe it was more of a formality of, hey, we're going to give Philadelphia something in return if they what? actually want but, him. But, but but why? They didn't. If, if, if Embiid wanted, or not Embiid, if Butler wanted to go to Miami, why the heck does Miami care about Philadelphia? They're competitors. Right? Oh, thank you for letting us have the player that you had no control over anymore. Here's a player. That doesn't make any sense. I just don't know why. I don't know. Like I said, NBA free agency rules are confusing. I'm sure there's a tactical reason why it happened. I just don't know it. So if any of our listeners do know that, you should uh, hit us up on social media and tell us why the Heat had to do a sign and trade instead of just signing him outright. Because I want to know that. And then maybe we can do a stupid rules segment about it later to fill in everybody else. Um, and the other big move, and the one that I was watching as a Timberwolves fan, was D'Angelo Russell, who everyone thought was either heading to Minnesota or the Lakers, and we were just waiting all day for news to drop. Was he going to Minnesota? Was he going to L.A.? Oh, no, what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's going to Golden State. So there's a, a four-team sign-and-trade deal that's sending uh, – him to Golden State, four teams involved being Brooklyn, Golden State, Minnesota, and Memphis. Um, Minnesota's getting two no-name players and some cash. Andre Iguodala is going to Memphis in that deal. And then Golden State obviously gets uh, Russell. See, but in this case, a sign-and-trade makes sense because Russell was a restricted free agent. So um, the uh, Brooklyn had to approve whoever... Right, Brooklyn could basically match any other offer. So basically, if a team wanted him, they'd have to give something to Brooklyn in return. So there I understand why a sign-and-trade happened. I just don't get why it happened uh, with Miami and Philly. May I, may I interject with something that I just looked up? I mean, so, you are a host, so you do get to Sign-and-trade agreements. A player, may, a player may want a sign-and-trade because it allows that player to get a bigger salary for more years than if they just signed with another team. So in this case, Jimmy Butler might might have requested a sign and trade because he might have gotten the max deal instead of a smaller deal with Miami, and he got the four-year maximum, which I think is 143, $144 million for four years. Somewhere in there is what it is right now. So because he got... The sign and trade, he got more money, more years. So he's guaranteed more money for more okay. years. That's okay. that's what yeah. I can see. That's the only thing that I can see in my research as to why he would want it. That makes sense. That that seems to make logical sense to me now. Okay, good thing that was cleared up. But, um, yeah, so uh, the two big losers from free agency, well, I guess... We can't necessarily pick losers yet because uh, the number one piece in free agency, Kawhi Leonard, is still uh, sitting out there. Most people say it's now between three teams, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Raptors. 
Um, we're still waiting to hear from Kawhi. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes another couple of days here before he actually decides. I like actually what he did. It was he just kind of sat and waited everybody out. So, um, like, he knows exactly what the major landscapes is going to look like in each of the conferences, see where he might have an easier road. I like what he did there, sitting and waiting it out. But he's probably going to pick one of those three teams, the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Raptors, to come back to. And that will be the big time to really decide um, who the winners and losers are. But two teams who are obviously going to be losers are the uh, the Knicks and the Wolves. The Knicks, this has just been a disaster for them. They thought um, they were going to get the number one draft pick and get Zion Williamson. They ended up at three and got R.J. Barrett. When they traded Kristaps Porzingis, they thought, okay, now we've got money. We'll go sign Kevin Durant, and they missed out on Kevin Durant. They get Taj Gibson instead. And, yeah, they missed out on uh, Kyrie Irving, and they both go to their next-door neighbor in Brooklyn. It's just not a good day to be a Knicks fan. And the Wolves thought they were finally going to have another star to match with Carl uh, Anthony Towns after however many years of futility, 30, I don't know. And then out of nowhere, Golden State swoops in and takes him. And it just dooms the Wolves to five more years of futility where they wait out the awful contract to Andrew Wiggins. So I can go back to not paying attention to the Timberwolves for the next five years, just like I've done for the rest of my life. And everything's good. Everything's fine and dandy with the world, at least in, you know, Minneapolis. A lot of unhappy Wolves fans today. But hey, we were part of the D'Angelo Russell trade, so... I mean, some might say it's, it's you know, like it's like setting up the person you have a crush on with your best friend. That That's pretty much what the Wolves just did there in facilitating the, the D'Angelo Russell to the Golden State trade right there. So I don't know why we helped in that trade at all, but, you know, hey, it happens. In, it other, happens. in other free agency news, uh, Al Horford... Uh, leaves the Boston Celtics and goes to the Philadelphia 76ers. So with Philadelphia getting rid of Jimmy Butler, uh, they had enough money to sign Al Horford. Will that be a big piece for them to go alongside Joel Embiid? Only time will tell. But they did go out and re-sign Tobias Harris to a max deal. Um, And I think that'll be good for them to pair with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, even if Horford doesn't really pan out. And Brooke Lopez does, in fact, re-sign with the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, a player who is very influent or had a very, very good uh, season with Milwaukee Bucks, does sign again with them, and he brought his brother along with him. His brother, Robin Lopez, uh, signs with the Bucks as well, so they will be playing on the same team uh, in Milwaukee. One more NBA announcement that I uh, just saw here come across my feed is that, uh, I don't know if this is a joke or not, but I just saw it announced that the Golden State Warriors are going to retire Kevin Durant's number. Probably a a joke. Seems a little, but it was just reported by ESPN. So that seems fairly reliable. It says that the, the Golden State Warriors issued a statement saying that they will retire number 35 for Kevin Durant. Who is, who is the writer? Uh, written by... Um, doesn't say. Just says ESPN. So, I don't know. 
very but that's that's that would, strange that's, to me. that's really you don't retire a number of somebody who's going to compete against you in the future and that's who that's and who is only there for what three years something like that yeah four years yeah i don't know that seems bizarre to me he only I brought think, two titles there it's not like he won four titles in four years or three titles in three years yeah i think we'll see more of that story so we'll have to keep you updated on that in future weeks but keep track of keep tabs on that if that was a joke or a false statement or maybe that was a statement they were supposed to issue six years from now that for some reason got leaked early i don't know we'll have to watch that but maybe number 35 going up into the rafters in golden state soon we'll have in their to new arena Mm-hmm. Speaking of Golden State and Kevin Durant, why didn't he just re-sign and stay at a place where he was fine? Management is great. The team is great. The organization is great. You have a great head coach. Now you're going somewhere where you don't know if you mesh well with Kyrie Irving. You don't know if you're going to get along with DeAndre Jordan. And you're in an organization that's completely unproven management-wise and that ha- does has a history of mediocrity and not winning i mean what do you have to prove if you're kevin durant i mean just to go just to go somewhere new you i don't know don't want to be in golden state anymore figure either one that they take him for granted or two that um probably that they take him for granted it's like yeah we won without you we have you now it's great but who really cares Go somewhere where he won't be taken for granted, I guess, is my big thing. The fans will love him more in Brooklyn than they ever did in uh, Golden State, would be my guess. Because like I guess Steph, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are their people. Exactly. Exactly. That would be my guess, but I don't know. I'm not, uh, I'm not closely connected to Kevin Durant by any means. Really? Hey, Kevin, Kevin Durant, if you are listening... And uh, you wanna you wanna hit me up and we can talk about why you uh, went to Brooklyn. Give me a nice exclusive. That would be great. So uh, hit me up if you wanna do that. We'd I'm love to in. take that exclusive. Oh yeah. Are, are we adding KD to our list of people to shout out, including yes. what, Drew Brees? Drew Brees. He, he was Drew our Brees first one. Drew Brees, big one. Yeah, he was from episode one. I think episode one. Oh, KD. gotta love we have, that we man. We have a couple Drew others Brees. as well. Yeah, I think we do. I don't know. For of course, sure. I gave my man Patrick Mahomes a shout out. Right, but you didn't ask him to give us a shout-out. Yeah, that's true. But but you just brought up something very important, which is football. Ooh, and I love football. Is it fall yet? No, it's July. Dang but it. do you know what next month is? That means the first college football games will be next month. And so because of that, um, Las Vegas came out with their first national championship game odds for the year. Um, for college football, and for the first time in school history, Iowa State actually has odds to win the national championship. They are 100 to 1, so I mean, it's not great odds, but normally I, they don't even give Iowa State odds. They don't give us enough of a chance to put us on the list. So the first time in school history, Iowa State has odds to win the national championship. Big step forward for the program, going in the right direction. Um, it's, I'm really excited to see what Campbell's going to do with this team, and I'm sure we'll give you a season preview as the season gets closer, but I just wanted to touch on that. That I mean, it seems minor, but it's starting to show that Matt Campbell and this program are getting some uh, some nat- national respect, which is good. 
that's good recognition for, and yeah. it's just big for this program that was that used to be not on the map at all the only thing they were known for is knocking Oklahoma State out of the BCS uh, national championship game in what was that 2007 or 2008 something like that that's before my time yeah way before our time but that's that's like the only thing they were known for so mm-hmm. now we're being known for something else and they're gonna have a great defense next season we'll talk way more about that in a season season overview if we when we get there but I'm excited for this team and this defense. This defensive line could be very special. Yeah, that's true. Um, also on the outline, for some reason, is a Women's World Cup update. I guess Wyatt just wanted an update on his write-that-down prediction. Because, you know, we haven't been giving any other updates on the Women's World Cup, but Wyatt put it on the outline this week. So do you want to talk about it, Wyatt, since you put it on the outline? I did not put it on the outline. I actually did Kyle put, put it, it on the outline? The- all yes, right, then you, you get did. to talk about it, Kyle. Let's talk about the, it. The reason why is I feel like we should give this team uh, some recognition because mm-hmm. obviously there was a lot of hype about the um, men's team when they absolutely flopped uh, earlier. I, I wouldn't say it was hype when they here. flopped. Didn't was flop. America yeah. wasn't hyped, but I think everyone else is pretty... I don't, know if, I don't know if hype's the right word. They're probably more like it. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, that's probably it. I, I mean, but this that, team but... is actually good, and they, they, really, they really good. dominate. And obviously, they dominated in their first match, um, and they beat France now, so they are um, moving on to play uh, England tomorrow or today when this podcast hits your beautiful ears uh, in the semifinals of the Women's World Cup. So, yeah, I guess I don't have a whole lot to talk about other than that because I don't follow soccer a lot. But I figured we should just give the whole team a shout out. Yeah, I was I was watching. I was killing it. I was watching this game at work on Friday, the second half of it. Um, don't worry, it, it, was, it was in a conference room, so it was sanctioned. wasn't wasn't doing it at my desk. Um, and really, uh, Megan Rapino, who is the reason that this. Uh, this team won that game. She scored both goals. The first one was an absolutely incredible shot through about three defenders in the first half to give us a one nothing lead, and another one in the second half to put us up two to nothing. France made a really good late push in that game, but it's two to but uh, only managed to put one in the net for a two one U.S. win. And though that game was in the quarterfinals, most uh, commentators and myself agree that that was pretty much the championship game. People were saying that whoever won that game was going to win the tournament. Those were the two best head over heels, the two best teams in the tournament. Uh, so now that the U.S. has won, that was their next, that was their last major hurdle. I mean, obviously they still have to play well to beat England and then probably Germany in the championship game, but that was the biggest test. Now that that's over. Um, the U.S., we will probably come back next week and tell you that the U.S. has won the Women's World Cup. But we will see about that as we go. Um, Wyatt, vroom, vroom. Go. Vroom, vroom. We're uh, going directly into our Formula One segment, hosted by moi, the only thing that I actually talk about on this podcast, besides the intros and outros. This past weekend was the Austrian Grand Prix at the Red Bull Ring in Austria. This was the first time this season that Mercedes has finally not won a race. 
seriously, this is this is huge. They have won every single race this season besides the Austrian Grand Prix. This one, Max Verstappen came in first place here, knocking off uh, Lewis Hamilton for all but two wins this season. With Valtteri Bottas coming in with the other two wins throughout this entire season, and this is the first time uh, as well this season that they've not had two drivers on the podium. Besides, or the second time, my my apologies. Besides, in Canada, um, they only had one driver in Canada finishing out. So the race was pretty eventful, but uh, Max Verstappen did come in first place for his sixth F1 victory. Uh, his last uh, previous victory, his fifth victory, was uh, exactly 12 months ago to this race day, which is fantastic. The results of the top five were Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, Valtteri Bottas, Sebastian Vettel, and Lewis Hamilton coming in fifth place. Uh, for the bottom five, the, the last five scores of the race, we had Lando Norris, Pierre Gasly, Carlos Sainz, Kimi Raikkonen, and Antonio Giovinazzi. And what we really see here with, with the F, F1.5 group, uh, the constructors behind the top three, is that McLaren's really killing it. They've been showing really good pace and cornering as well throughout the past three or four races now, which is really exciting. And Ferrari, too. Uh, they had an engine swap two races ago that's really been uh, helping them out on the straights, which is fantastic. You can see that they're faster. The Red Bull Ring is a really small track relatively to, um, like, Monza, for example. When when we race in Monza here in a couple weeks, Ferrari, I think, is going to win just because they have they have a lot of speed coming down the straightaway, which is awesome. This is also the first race this season. I think that there hasn't been any retirements. The Every driver crossed the checkered, the, the checkered line which is kind of cool. Um, that's not entirely common, I guess. That There's usually a crash or some mechanical failure or driver error happening that you know, a car gets pulled off the track or something, which did not happen at all this race, which was awesome. But it wouldn't be F1 without drama. This entire season has been plagued with rules, 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 which rules aren't necessarily a bad thing, but I think they can be super cumbersome and... Generally a nuisance, especially in this case. So, as I said, Max Verstappen did did win the race. He crossed the checkered line first about three seconds ahead of Charles Leclerc. And two laps prior to him crossing the checkered line, he bumped Charles Leclerc off the track in his overtake. He was in second place. He overtook two laps to go to get in front of Charles Leclerc. And the steward said immediately, we're going to review this after the race. And it took them four hours almost four hours, it's about three and a half hours, to officially declare a winner, which is ridiculous. People get mad at football, the NFL, when they take you know more than two or three minutes to review a play. Imagine waiting four hours to have the, the, the outcome of the sanctioned event to come out. That's just absolutely ridiculous. But the reason for this is because of the way Formula One works. As soon as the, the top three drivers finish, they park in a special designated spot, they get interviewed by Martin Brundle for Sky Sports down in front of their cars and go for the podium ceremony where there's the champagne, the reading, the they get their trophies and they play the national anthem of the winner, you know, all that rah-rah stuff. Then they get interviewed up on the podium and then have a press conference immediately afterwards and other interviews with reporters, which takes almost two hours. And the FIA wanted to talk to Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc about the incident. And what the incident was, was going into turn three, two laps to go from the checkered flag, Max Verstappen came off the racing line and cut inside on Charles Leclerc. And as soon as they were around the corner, he didn't give him any space coming out of the corner. They made contact, which forced Charles Leclerc off the track, ultimately costing him the win. 
and they want to talk to both drivers about this just to kind of get a feel for it. And they ended up not giving him a penalty for this. The penalty that he would have received had they give him, given him a penalty would have been five seconds, which would have put him into second place and given Charles Leclerc the win, just like we saw in Canada with Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton, where Sebastian was given a five-second penalty, which ultimately gave Lewis the win. That didn't happen. Max Verstappen did not get a penalty, and in my opinion, he definitely should have by rule. I don't agree with the rule, just like I don't agree with the rule where Sebastian Vettel got a penalty, which I think he should have gotten that penalty. But according to the rule book, what it essentially says is that if a driver is on the racing line going through a corner, there is no obligation for him to leave room for any other traffic on the track unless they're going and avoiding an obstacle or a slower car or something. There's no obligation for them to leave any room, which in the case with Charles Leclerc, he wasn't on the racing line. If you look in the way he goes into turn three, he's not on the actual racing line on the track, and therefore he is obliged. He, he needs to give room for Charles Leclerc at this point in time. And since he didn't, that's an automatic reach of rules. He was on the racing line, therefore he's obligated to leave space, and he didn't leave space. That That's... I, I don't know how much more clear it could get. However, rubbing is racing, and that shouldn't be a rule, or if it is, it needs to be tweaked. So I don't know what the FIA is doing. I personally think the sport's being overregulated at this point in time. It, it's just really frustrating from, from a motorsport fan's point of view. They take four hours to officially release results and don't necessarily... That, they're just not consistent with enforcement rules, I suppose. You can argue that the penalty with Sebastian Vettel News Hamilton, while it is a breach of rules, it's also in the spirit of racing to let something like that fly. Whereas here, they let it fly, which they should have done, but it's also against the rules. So you got to pick a side. You got to be consistent here. It's it's honestly ridiculous. I I just don't get it. That's my opinion on what happened there. I I'm not sure that that's the Canadian Grand Prix or uh, the Austrian Grand Prix for you. Um, we do have points breakdowns for the constructors. Going 1 through 10, we have Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull Racing. They got a lot of points with Max Verstappen coming in first place. And then again, McLaren, Renault, and Alfa Romeo, racing point, coming in 4, 5, and 6. So McLaren's at the top of F1.5, which is awesome for them. They're looking really good this year with their uh, new Renault engine. They just switched off of Honda this past year. And 7, 8, 9, and 10, we have racing point. Mercedes, Scuderia Toro Rosso, Haas, which is the only American team at F1, and then Williams with zero points. They haven't had a driver finish in the top 10 yet this year, which is really sad because Williams used to be really great, and they're just, the past five or six years, they haven't been doing well, which is really sad. Make sure you tune in for the British Grand Prix at Silverstone on ESPN2 on July 14th. You'll be airing there on 9, 10 a.m. Central Time, so be sure to tune in. It'll be a really good race. It's a bit larger track this time, so that was Formula One for you. Some more drama, as always. Mostly rules drama. But it is what it is. But apparently there is such a thing as too many rules. That's what uh, that's what you're trying to tell me. There are too many rules in F1. I didn't say there's too many rules. I think it's overregulated. I think the rules that they have are too nitpicky on what drivers can and cannot do. Okay. That makes sense. That they, just, makes sense. they need to let the drivers race. They're not toddlers. They don't need babysat by, by stewards up in the box. They're, I don't know what to do about it. I don't have a possible solution. I just think that it is overregulated. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Do you know what's not overregulated? What's that? 
Willens Astadio. Willens Astadio <laughs> is not overregulated. Willens Astadio is pure baseball enjoyment, is what Willens Astadio is. He had a uh, he had a pretty interesting week overall. Um, so uh, in the uh, Twin Series against Tampa Bay, he uh, had an interesting uh, interesting series. So he he hit okay. But what really was good was his defense. So he made two great defensive plays over the course of the week. The first one, uh, he was chase. He was in right field for most of the series because of Twins' injuries. Um, but so in right field, he ran over into foul territory and leaped up the little side wall at Target Field to make a catch in the stands on a foul ball. And the second one was slightly reminiscent of um, of what happened. Um, if you remember two spring trainings ago, I told you to watch the video of his no-look uh, pickoff, though, as a catcher. He did something similar in right field. So uh, runner on first, and there's a single to uh, to right field. So he comes in as if he is going to um, – looks like he's going to throw the ball to third. So the runner on first uh, takes an aggressive turnaround – or the, the hit batter takes an aggressive turnaround first base, seeing, you know, if the throw goes all the way to third, he might try to take second. Instead, Astadio no look throws behind the runner to first base and gets him from behind off first base. No look throw from right field to first base. It was incredible. Great play. But then the bad news is on Wednesday, he got put on the DL with a hamstring injury. So Astadio is back on the DL for the second time this year. Um, it'll be at least another week before he's eligible to come off the DL. So um, next week might not be that interesting of a turtle tab because, you know, it'll just be that he's on the DL. But we'll see. Hopefully he's feeling better and maybe he's tearing up AAA pitching on a rehab assignment again. But either way, we will continue to update you on baseball savior La Tortuga Willens Astadio as we go forward because he is a lot more interesting than most of the rest of the MLB that we talk about on here, especially the Kansas City Royals. So we'll we'll talk more about Turtle and hopefully less about the Kansas City Royals. But we got to let Kyle talk about the Royals. So what do you got, Kyle? It's not always that you actually want to talk about this team right now, but it wasn't a great week. But hey, the Tigers are almost just as bad as the Royals now. That's so, true. The Tigers tig- are terrible. The Tigers are now only a game better than the Royals. Yep. Yep. And going into the day, the Royals had a better winning percentage. But then they lost today as they got absolutely blown out by the Blue Jays in a crossover week game where they finished the uh, fourth game of a four-game set on Monday. Um, It wasn't a great week. Starting pitching was rough. uh, But they had a few great comebacks. Uh, and one of them was capped by a ninth inning ho- or a ninth inning Hunter Dozier grand slam off of Brad Hand of the Cleveland Indians to give the Royals the lead late in the ninth inning, and then eventually they were able to save the game and uh, hold out for a win. But it was the only the second go ahead grand slam in Royals history, uh, so. It was just a great piece of hitting by Hunter Dozier. Uh, It's great to have him back uh, from his injury. Um, In other news, Alberto Mondesi is headed for a rehab assignment with AA Northwest Arkansas. 
Uh, he is only going to be hitting to start, uh, but he's going to start taking some fielding uh, and play in the field on as soon as Wednesday or Thursday. It'll be good to get him back with the club. Um, but another player who's actually in the big leagues, Whit Merrifield, my beloved Whit Merrifield for the Kansas City Royals, makes the all-star game. Uh, not off a of fan vote because not enough people actually love him, even though he's literally one of the great ambassadors of the game. Um, he made the all-star game uh, by selection of the league and by managers, so he will be representing the Royals as their only all-star uh, game member for this year. So that's it's just a really good... Um, award and honor for him since he has been uh, having very, very consistent play over the past three years. Um, and this year he's finally been rewarded for it. Uh, last year he led the league in hits and stolen bases. Um, and this year he is also pacing the American league uh, in hits, although he is now in second place to DJ LeMahieu of the New York Yankees. But just a great, great honor for Whit Merrifield. Going to the from the bottom of the AL Central to the top of the AL Central, the Twins are continuing to battle the injury bug. Um, as you heard, Astadio went on the DL. Um, Eddie Rosario also went on the DL this last week. He uh, he uh, sprained his ankle uh, during a game this week, and he ended up on the DL um, this last week. Um, the Twins did get three players back off the DL as Byron Buxton, Marwin Gonzalez, and A.A. Adrianza came back. But Max Kepler has also missed some time, not on the DL, but missed a couple games with an elbow injury. Jonathan Scope has missed games with a leg injury. So this team is just fighting a rash of injuries, but they're continuing to battle through it, and they're continuing to do well. They took two out of three from the Tampa Bay Rays. They took games one and two before a Wednesday uh, or Thursday afternoon getaway day uh, game turned into a seven-hour adventure when it started with a one-hour rain delay, and then uh, they played 18 innings. The game was scheduled to start at noon. It ended at about 7.10. So that was a, a long day at the ballpark before the Rays finally won that game 5-2 to two in 18 innings. Um, it's only, I think, the second time in baseball history that a team has played two games of at least 17 innings over the course of an eight-day stretch like the Twins did as they uh, as they played a 17-inning game against Boston the week before. Um, and then they went to the south side of Chicago to play the White Sox, uh, where they actually lost two out of three. So it was a 500 week for the Twins as they went three and three. But... Um, the Indians continued to struggle. The Indians actually uh, got in the record books for a really awful reason. Over the course of this weekend, uh, not only did they give up that grand slam to the Royals and lost that game to the Royals, they also uh, lost 13-0 to in two consecutive games. And not only did they lose 13-0, to they lost 13-0 to two consecutive games to the Baltimore Orioles. And the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles... Oh, really bad, as the Twins demonstrated earlier in the year when they beat the Orioles by some scores a lot like that. So the Indians, they had a really good month of June, but 
But despite that, they really didn't make up much ground. They went, uh, I think it was like 17-9 and or something in the month of June and still only made up two games on the Twins over the course of the month. So uh, the Indians had a very easy part of their schedule and didn't quite take advantage of it. So the Twins are still in great shape in the AL Central. A couple of player updates. Luis Oriz is a heck of a player. He's come up to replace players with uh, injuries at some point, uh, replaced A. Ray Adrianzo when he was hurt, things like that. And he is hitting. He's hitting over 400. He's an on-base machine. He takes great professional at-bats, utility infielder. He played some left field this uh, week when we had a lot of injured, uh, when we had a lot of injured outfielders. So he's a great utility player. Takes professional at bats. He's someone to keep an eye on for the Twins' future. And then the Miguel Sano saga continues that I started about last week or that I talked about last week. He hit, I think, five home runs this last week, but he also still striking out a ton. You just can't win with that guy. Nobody knows what to do with him. He's obviously struggling at the plate, but you can't send him down because when he makes contact with the ball, it goes a long way. So... I'm a proponent of just keeping him up here in the majors and letting him figure it out. But we'll have to see what the Twins do once they finally get healthy, if they keep him on the roster or send him down. I hope they keep him up. I like to see him play, but we'll see what happens. Miguel Sano, interesting guy. Interesting guy. Yeah, so we'll take a quick uh, quick change from the AL to the NL. The NL Central is very underwhelming at the moment. Cubs are still on top at, at this time of recording. Um by the time we're finished recording, I'm sure the Cubs will be a second behind the Brewers. Brewers are heading their game right now, and the Cubs are in the bottom of the eighth, trailing by like seven, eight, nine runs or something at this point. Uh, 13. Oh, boy. 13 runs? 13 runs. Oh, yeah. It's Yikes. 18, it's 18 to 5. Yeah. So, Cubs are not going to come out uh, pretty on this one. The Cubs and the Brewers right now, at this time of recording, like I said, are tied at a 5-3-6. And the next highest is the Cardinals at an even 500. So the NL Central, to say the least, is very, very underwhelming. That's not to say that they don't have some drama. The Cubs uh, were playing the Reds a few games ago or two games ago. This would have been, oh, let me think here. Was it last game where, where Puig got really mad? I want to say it was last game. would have been game. Saturday's game. Saturday's game, two games ago. And um, well, what happened was Strope was, was closing. Uh, Puig was up to bat. And Puig's just, or Strope wasn't giving Puig anything to hit. He would have been, I want to say, the tying run, if memory serves correct, maybe not. He's up to bat. Puig gave him two way inside and then one down on the ground. It's a 3 0 pitch. Right before the last pitch, Puig gets really sassy and walks away from the batter's box, shakes his head a bit, like, oh, you know, not going to give me anything to hit. Wilson Contreras turns at him and is like, dude, get back in the box. Come on. Like, quit being a little uh, drama queen here. And then Strope nails him on the like the right kneecap or something. So he gets pissed, rushes the mound, and tries to tries to fight Strope. Strope's kind of pushing away, like, "No, you stay over there, dude. You stay over there." Pooh's like, "No, get over here. Let's blah blah blah." And no, Strope's like, "No, you you can stay. You're fine." And it was it was a nice bench clearing. No brawl. No punches were thrown. It was just you know a normal baseball meet in the middle. Let the let the bullpens get some calisthenics in type of deal. But that was one of the two dramatic incidents. Dramatic, if you can call it that, I suppose. Uh, the second was Anthony Rizzo was called out on fan interference, which is really frustrating. Um, this would have been a 2-0 pitch that, or no, you know, one pitch. 
I want to say, a 1-0 pitch. doesn't really matter because he fouled the, fouled the ball off uh, way over in the left field, and a fan reached out over the wall and attempted to make a catch. Um, whoever was over in left field also attempted to make a catch, obviously, and the umpires ruled that to be fan interference and called Anthony Rizzo out. And this is one of the few times that I actually saw him get visibly angry at the umpires. He, Rizzo's usually a super nice guy, very chill, but he was quite upset at that call. At the umpires, which is kind of, you don't see that a whole lot from Rizzo. But dramatic incidents happening all over the NL Central, that was really it. The Cubs aren't doing so hot right now. It's kind of frustrating. I don't really want to talk about it. So, yeah. Go Cubs, go. Nice. Um, As a general baseball note, uh, every team has reached the official halfway point of their season. Um, every team has played their 81st game. At this point, there are eight teams that are essentially done, more than 10 games out of their playoff race, and just have n- absolutely no hope of making uh, of making the playoffs and are going to be sellers. But that means still with about a month until the trade deadline coming up on July 31st, we have 22 teams that still might consider themselves in the running for the playoffs. Um, so it'll be interesting to see this next month. I think will sort a lot of things out as more teams can continue to fall. Um, we will see who really actually has a chance and who doesn't. But that'll really uh, start the trade market going as teams start to realize who does and who doesn't actually have a chance to make the playoffs. We'll go from there. Um, other news across baseball, the Atlanta Braves are really Good. The Atlanta Braves, ever since they signed, um, uh, what's his name? The pitcher. Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel, yep, that's his he name. He hasn't been great, He's, though. Right, but ever since they signed him, they have been great. Yeah. That's, they're, they're up to a five-and-a-half game lead over the Philadelphia Phillies in the NL East. They're starting to run away with that division a little bit. Um, so Freddie the Atlanta Braves. Freeman had, Freddie Freeman had 35 RBIs in the month of June alone. Mm-hmm. That offense has been phenomenal, and um, what has been underwhelming and but is still interesting is that NL Central, as Wyatt mentioned. Really, all you could consider all five teams still in the running for that uh, division at this point in the season. Granted, Cincinnati is five games below 500 in that division, but they're only five and a half out. And they've been playing better baseball as of late. So really all five teams still in the running in that division, which is uh, which is really interesting. So that's, the that's in my mind, the division to keep an eye on. And then the AL wildcard race is also something to keep an eye on as we uh, continue throughout the season. Uh, because there are probably about seven teams in contention for that wildcard spot from Tampa Bay all the way down to Chicago White Sox who have played their way into contention for that because if the season ended today the rays would be hosting the rangers yeah the rangers who nobody thought a would team, be good this year yeah a team that was supposed to be in a rebuilding season but for some reason mike minor has been an absolute beast for them as a starting pitcher they've just been solid and joey, just joey. have been quietly winning a bunch of games mm-hmm. joey gallo has been knocking the cover off the ball and striking out a lot well, yeah, but... But that's all he does. Yeah. Um, All-Star rosters were also announced. Um, I'm not going to go through them all because you can just look them up and, you know, there's not much benefit to me actually reading them to you. But what I'm upset about 
what I'm pissed off about this week is that the Twins only got two All-Stars. This is a Twins team, has the third best record in baseball, leading their division by eight games. This is a team that has one of the best offenses in the history of baseball. Not just in baseball this year, in the history of baseball. And they only get two starters and only one hitter from that incredible offense. Jorge Polanco is the only hitter that made um, the all-star team. The other one was Jake Odorizzi as a pitcher. But Max Kepler is second in AL outfielders in war. Doesn't make the all-star game. Gets beat out by people like Austin Meadows, who uh, aren't nearly as good as ha- aren't having nearly as good of a year as he is. C.J. Crone, Nelson Cruz don't make the All Star game. Daniel Vogelbach gets to go to the All Star game instead of them. Daniel Vogelbach looks like uh, he's bigger than a lot of the uh, the guys I play uh, slow pitch softball with. Does not look like a major league player and going to the All Star game. Something just has to, I don't know. I don't like getting upset about the All-Star game because it's meaningless. I was just a little upset that there were only two twins, despite how well the twins have gone. But it's a good season when the biggest thing you have to complain about is that you have too many players who are worthy of the All-Star game who didn't get to go. That's how you know you're having a good season. So I won't get too upset about it. But I yeah, that must be nice. It. Yeah, it is, it is good when that's the biggest thing you have to get upset about. So, but... Yeah, that's why I'm pissed off. In in a little in another uh, in a somber moment, uh, the major league or major league baseball uh, lost a good player uh, today. Uh, news broke that um, Tyler Skaggs, a starting pitcher for the Los Angeles Angle- Angels organization, was found unconscious in his hotel room uh, by. Uh, Texas police they were on a road trip um, set to play the Texas Rangers tonight uh, Monday night that game has since been postponed um, obviously um, no media was allowed to talk to anybody within the organization players management um, upper level uh, or front house um, people but all we know so far is that he was 27 years old and he was found unconscious in his hotel room. Uh, no suspected foul play. And it's also reported that they don't suspect it was a attempt on his own life. So obviously more will probably be uncovered um, in the coming week. But obviously not much is being said right now probably to keep it under wraps to some degree. Yeah, that is sad news out of the world of baseball. We'll definitely uh, keep an eye on that story. But the show must go on, and we have a special edition of Mike's Stupid Rules for you all today. Are you two ready for your trivia edition of Mike's Uh Stupid Rules? I love trivia. I am so pumped. Kyle, are you ready for your trivia edition of Mike's Stupid Rules? How, How prepared do I need to be for this? You need to know your baseball for this edition of okay. Mike Stupid Okay, 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 I'm ready. All right, so um, you might know or you might not know that according to baseball rules, there are seven different ways that a batter could reach first base. You two have to together come up with all seven ways that a bat, all seven different ways that a batter could reach first base. So four okay. balls. Hit a by walk. pitch. A walk. So a walk. Yeah. 
Yeah, hit walk. by a pitch too. Are we yeah. differentiating intentional walk, walk and normal walks? No. Okay. Okay. Uh, catcher's interference. Ca- that see, there's a good one. Catcher's interference. You were they, listening to previous editions of Mike's Stupid Rules to get that one. They can advance on a drop ball strikeout. Drop third strike. That's so stealing. Stealing to first, basically. Yeah. You you've already gotten the two that are hardest to get, so you better get <laughs> the last three. A, a single, obviously. A hit, yes. Yeah, a hit, hit is number five. Um. Okay, now it's hard. We have two more. Two more. Yep, you got five. Um. Well, when else can they be awarded first? Um. What if? Uh, oh, throwing air. An error. Throw, yep. Throwing air. air. Okay. Air. Yep. An error. error. That is the sixth way for a batter to reach first base. Uh, who's got uh, it? it? It couldn't be. No, it wouldn't be like batting out or anything. That, I'll give you. No, that that would be an out, not yeah, a yep, not yep, a yep. Reach for space. I'll give you uh, twenty five more seconds. Oh, can you give us a hint? Um, they put the ball in play in this way. Uh, uh, oh boy. Ten seconds. Otherwise, I'm going to have to bunt? That, That's a no, hit. That's a hit. Five seconds. Any last guesses? Last guesses. They put the ball in play? Yep. A home run? That's, nope, yeah, that's I guess they go all the way around, but they it's still hit, hit first. <laughs> the hit. I don't know. I'm grasping at straws here. Fielder's choice. Oh, oh shoot. That's crap. That's they, crap. They, they reach for a space. They do reach for a space. Yeah, Fielder's choice is the seven. There you go. There's your stupid rule. The seven different ways a batter can reach first base in baseball. I had the two hard ones. You had yeah, the two we hard ones. We did get yep. the two hard ones. Got the hard ones and missed the... Granted, Fielder's choice is probably the third hardest one to get, I would probably. say. But anyway, uh-huh. that is the end of Mike's stupid rules. I like that. We should do more trivia-based ones. I like That's that. I'll, I'll look into more trivia-based stupid rules. Like I'll look into that for you in the future. I like that. And you can just keep on rolling with our Write That Down prediction segment if you'd like, Mike. I think you All have right. to hold us accountable. Do we have yeah. stuff coming off the board? We had one thing come off the board this week. Oh, and, did we? uh, It was from me. I predicted that the Yankees would have two all-star starters. They do. Catcher Gary Sanchez and second baseman J.D. LeMahieu are both starters in the all-star game. So for that, I get a ding, 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 ding. For a correct prediction. That is all we had come off the board this week. So wow-wee. Kyle, you, what? <laughs> wow-wee. I just said wow-wee. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, would you like to lead us off with your prediction then, Kyle? Yeah. Uh, you so derailed the segment. Back to my favorite baseball player, uh, Whit Merrifield. Yelson No. I don't Yelsenow. like fat people that play baseball. Whit Merrifield. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just going to say, I don't like fat people. <laughs> they play baseball. Oh. Whit Merrifield will record a hit in the All-Star game. You're just keep jealous, of, he's you're not just a, jealous that you're not as good at baseball at Will Zastadio. That's why you don't like fat people playing no, baseball. I'm not as, no, I'm not You're jealous I'm of Will Zastadio. You're jealous of Will Zastadio. Just admit it. Honestly, Will Zastadio could probably outrun you at a 40. <laughs> 40. <laughs> Probably. I, I would love it. to see that. I could see I it. would love to see that. We got to set that up. I'll try to get that set up. <laughs> Do it. Do it. I, I, would, I would run it. 
Uh, I would love it. I would love to see that. So hey. Merrifield recording a hit in the All Star game. Keep in mind he's I not mean, a starter, so he'll well, probably only get one at bat. One or two. Yeah, I'd give that a probably two, but double or triple. What are you thinking, Wyatt? I'm right in the middle. Um, well, he probably so comes. So probably, let's give him between a... second and third. Yep. Yep. That's where he's at. A run down between second and third. Um, and when that happens, like you got to advance to third if you're caught in a rundown like that, right? Well, you're out. Generally, rundown. So. At the major league level, if you get caught in a rundown, you're out. Uh, not if you're Javi Baez. 95 times out of 100, if you get caught in a rundown, you're out. So you guys, out. we'll just take no. that. We'll just count that. <laughs> no, I'll give him. I'll give him third. Did you see that? Oh, this would have been last season, two seasons ago, when the guy was in the rundown between second and third. Third baseman tagged him right, right on the belly, and he's like, "No, he didn't tag me. He didn't tag me." Went to third, and the umpire called him safe. It yeah, was, I yeah. I don't remember when that was or who it was or anything, but I do remember watching that. And uh, that that's that's how I got Kyle a triple there was going back to that that awful call by whoever Thank that umpire was. I got you, fam. All right, Mike, what do you got? I have uh, that Pete Alonzo, rookie sensation for the New York Mets, will win the home run derby in these All Star Game festivities. Home run. Sure. Okay. It's literally a home run I mean, derby. Yeah. The home- Home run about a home run derby. I'll take that. Because yeah. there's so that. many, there's so many people, there's so many different circumstances. I mean, that there's, go eight, into it. there's eight people. I know, but that's, that's a lot for the home run derby that you have right. to get. You have to get through three rounds in order to win. Yep, that's more that's than true. I can count on one hand. Three. So eight. Oh, I thought you were talking about the three <laughs> rounds. I was like, uh, <laughs> how many fingers about the do you have, Wyatt? Only, only got two fingers. Nope. Right. I'm not going to even inter- – nope, I'm – okay. So we talked about Cyclone football earlier in the episode, which spurred on this write-that-down prediction that Brock Purdy will start at least 90% of the games in this upcoming 2019 season, which keep in mind that, like, I, I think the last time a quarterback started for more than 90 95% of games was in, like, 2005, 2006. So – It doesn't happen. Cyclone football. A, a double? Triple? What'd you say? Double? I double. I'm, I was leaning towards triple. Right, Remember we'll Kyle Kempt? Kyle Kempt back at the Iowa game? Yeah. He's going to be our savior and then career ending in, injury. Yeah. All right. We'll give him a triple. Do you have I, do have, Josh? I do have a write that down prediction Woo-hoo. from Josh this week. He says that Eric Thames for the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, first baseman slash outfielder slash did they play him somewhere else this year i don't know Second um, base. yeah he will hit two home runs this week is josh's prediction two home runs max times i'm thinking double double i was i was when you first said it maybe a double two I'm home not. runs in a week two home runs is a lot so the the Right, so the MLB season is about six months mm-hmm. which we'll say is about 25 weeks right Hitting yeah, two, two home, home runs, runs a week, a week is 50 home run pace. Right? That's not a single. Double. No. If you said Yelich, if he said Yelich, yeah, Yelich that, would be because be he is on a 50 home run. Yes, pace. exactly. Hems is not. So. Yeah, double's we'll fine. Go, we'll go with double. I believe that's all four of us. 
It was. And speaking of the Brewers, I was actually up in Wisconsin this weekend. I've never been to Wisconsin before, and it's not that interesting, to be quite honest. There's some parts of it that are pretty interesting. It's, it's no more interesting than Iowa. Like, Iowa uh, yeah. has interesting parts as well. I don't know about that. I don't like Wisconsin, but it's more interesting than Iowa. I don't know about that. I'm not, I'd say I'm not it has Wisconsin. to be more interesting than Iowa. <laughs> uh, you lose that one two to one. Ah, fair enough. Good thing nobody's keeping score of that. And speaking of scores, I think all four of us have our write that down predictions in, which I don't know what that is to do with scores. scores. I was getting there, and, and we had up. already decided that. Ah, well, we have all of our write that down predictions in, which means that we are at the end of the write that down prediction segment, which also means that we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode thirty-seven of the eighty-three eleven cast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on all your favorite podcasting stuff and share us with the people that you think would like to listen to this or don't your choice you know we're just giving the option we should have the option beforehand as well we can't force you to do it definitely not and we wouldn't even if we could because we're nice guys like that that's true though i do record while holding a baseball bat just in case i need to you know knock somebody while recording fair enough fair enough Signing off for the 8311 cast. We have your hosts, <laughs> Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt here. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of the 8311 cast. We will be back in your beautiful ears, bringing you all things sports next week. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.